Real News. Honest and fun political talk weekly on the line 90.7 FM. I think we should start off by talking about what's been happening in Virginia because that's something nobody's really, I mean, I just kind of found out about today. I don't think enough people are talking about. Basically down there, Governor Ralph... Uh, Blackface North. <laughs> I yep. was going to say Blackface or Klansman Northam uh, declared a state of emergency and temporarily banned people from carrying guns uh, and other weapons on the grounds of the Capitol building. And uh, that's ahead of a pro-gun rally that's happening on Monday because they're afraid maybe some violence or something's going to happen. This all happened after Virginia passed three new gun laws. One of them limited firearm possession in public spaces. The other one said you can only get one handgun per month, like you can only buy one handgun per month. And another one required some background checks on firearm transfers. And so this has made, you know, gun activists, pro-gun people, pro-Second Amendment people just absolutely, like, go full <laughs> Civil War. 1776 is going to... Um, what was that thing Alex Jones always said? 1776? Well, rise again? You know, it, well, what was it? The solution to 1984 is 1776. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so it's getting a bit, you know, uh, tense right now. And some people think it's going to be like Charlottesville, like 2.0, because the FBI just, um, I think, arrested three white supremacists that apparently had some violent past or violent like tendency. So they're saying like that this rally is going to have a lot of those people. I, I don't think that's going to happen necessarily. I think, well, you consider that gun owners are some of the safest people in the country. I don't think there's going to be a big issue, but that I got, is, I, I got a question for you guys though. Sure. Like, I, I, okay. So, um, we have these stories about how the FBI, you know, arrests these, arrested these people. Did, are you, are any of you like me now, whenever, whenever news comes up with the fbi doing literally anything do you kind of get a little like hesitant to like i don't know believe anything that they say or anything that's you know because i mean i mean don't get me wrong i i, I love the i i still love the agents and the low level like all the all the main you know the ground game that the FBI does. I just I like after this whole Trump charade, I I'm really I'm a little reserved in my positive approach toward the hierarchy of the FBI. I'm just saying. Yeah, no, I think that this whole um, you know, they they just so happen to find these like white supremacists yeah. over at the FBI. That just seems a little bit convenient to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know, like, the FBI, I feel like maybe it was weaponized within during the Obama administration, like, the, the eight years during that. So I, I'm really hesitant to uh, take their threats super seriously. Now, it's very possible that there were, like, one, you know, one or two French people out there. And I believe, you know, that could be the case. But what they're going to try to do is what they did with Charlottesville is, like, paint it as a solely, you know, white supremacist sort of thing. Yeah. As a way to demonize gun owners. That's it's like it's to me it's like it's like you have a like say you have a cheating girlfriend right good analogy and, already and you and you take and you take and you take her back right you, you're you like okay all right um and then one night she just spends out late she gets back at like two and <laughs> two o'clock in the morning she comes home a mess 
and you're like where were you and she's she starts saying something like oh i was at a friend's house so in your mind you're probably thinking oh she's doing it again right yeah Yeah, but but i mean she could be she could have very well been at a slumber party at a friend's house or something like that (laughs) sure sure no 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 (laughs) but but the fact that she did it once messes up everything from here on out now in the back of my mind i'm always thinking "Uh, she probably could have that's how i feel about the fbi right now so she's like a the fbi is like a uh, a a crazy girlfriend (laughs) you know i just don't trust the fbi yeah like i really don't trust fbi i really don't trust the atf nsa i i I really don't trust like a lot of these three-lettered government agencies you know that aren't accountable to the people. I, I just really don't trust them. They well, what about the four-letter one, the FISA? That's, yeah, that's, I was gonna ooh, say more man, letters, the worse they that's are. Crazy. Yeah, and the you know, especially like with the Trump impeachment stuff, you just see how it's. I don't see how any good gets done. You know what I mean? I, I really don't see like I. I honestly don't see how that FISA court is really, truly, honestly constitutional. But that's just me. Like you're telling me they could do, they can sign off on any warrants on any, any citizen without any dupe, any legitimate, you know, cause you saw what they did with, you saw what they did with Trump and Trump's team. They like, there was not, they, they got their information off of something super weak. Like, look, they could do that. Like they could literally do that. Like mm-hmm. you're telling me they, they could get something they could dig up from, facebook or something like that like oh well we we can it totally invade this dude's privacy like well see the only difference between what happened to trump and the watergate scandal is that 9-11 happened after the watergate scandal that, that's the only difference oh yeah you know they and it, it's sad you know 9-11 was a terrible event by all means and i hope that nothing like that ever happens again but on the other hand i don't think that just because something absolutely terrible happened means that we should go and like forgo the constitution i feel the same way you know with guns and i feel the same way about fires yeah. you know we yeah. came in this like era where we just like you know we're okay with that now for some reason where it's like oh okay something bad happened let's just go and uh, throw away our rights and liberties yeah well i think what's always i always look at these things is that you're not gonna have absolute liberty and nor should you have absolute uh, authoritarianism or absolute order. So it's going to become a balance of how much order do you need in your life and how much liberty do you need or want in your life? Well, no, I get that. But, you know, when, you know, there should usually be a give and take with these things. When was the last time that we were given more liberty? Yeah, that's true. Like, you know, if the founding fathers saw this, what do you think they would say? Would they be happy about this sort of like situation? Like not even just that, just like look, Whenever you drive, it's like, you know, they're automatically scanning your, uh, like, your bumper plate. Yeah. Driver's license. You know, there's, like, someone did, I think it was Vice. They had, like, an article. It was, like, all of the, um, the, like, cameras they found in New York City within, like, their walk, like, to work. And there mm. was, like, over 100. We should go to London. They have, like, so many speed cameras. I will but never go to London. These are, like, <laughs> ever. All kinds. Well, don't you want to say hello to? Oh, wait, no, they're going to be in Canada now. So you could say hello to Meghan Markle, but they've already moved all the way to Canada. 
What do you guys think of that? Who, who do you think is the the Chad in that relationship? Is it Megan or is it Harry? Oh, I think Meg Megan's absolutely taking him. Me Megan Markle is the the modern day Yoko Ono. <laughs> yes, modern day. Yo, right? she is. She's breaking up the band. Yeah. I mean, look, the thing I wanted to get like when I first saw Megan Markle, I had no clue who she was. I had uh, no problem with her at all until I saw a video where Sargon of Akkad showed her at the UN giving this super sappy, like teary-eyed, doe-eyed speech about how she saw some ad on TV about, I think it was like soap or some sort of cleaning product, had to do something with, in her eyes, quote-unquote sexism, and she complained to the soap company and got them to like change their ad or something. Or I mean, it was it was what a stupid like. Well, no, she didn't. She didn't, you know send a letter to the soap company first. She first talked to like the president. I think she talked. She sent a letter to Hillary Clinton. It was like not even the, the president. Yeah, yeah, not my president. Um, not anybody's president. And, and and she did all this stuff where she's talking like all these government people. And then at the end of it, she's like, and then I realized I need to go to the company themselves. Like, well, shouldn't you have done that first? And it's like the stupidest thing. It's it's a super third wave feminist, like, you know, crap about, you know, oh, gender roles are bad and all these things. And it just was one of the stupidest things. I, and that's what, you know, Amelia tipped me off because she looks so fake. And then now you see what's happening with the royal family. The royal family was fine. Harry has little, you know, frat boy controversies where he would dress up as a Nazi at a costume party <laughs> or do something, you know, outrageous and whatever. But when Megan came in, now everything's a problem. Now they're dropping their... Uh, titles that just happened today. They're not senior royals anymore, and th now they're going to be living in Canada. I don't know where they're going to be living. I don't know why you'd want to live in Canada, but they're going to be living in Canada. And I mean, she, I think, just totally has him on a leash. Harry just seems weak, and I think he's trying to, you know, he feels he's in kind of like that little brother scenario where his big brother gets all the the stuff, you know, he gets the crown if once their father dies, he's the next in line, all that stuff, where he Harry kind of gets the short end of the stick. So I understand where he's coming from. I get it sucks. But that doesn't mean you have to, you know, let Meghan Markle, like, dictate your whole life because that's basically what she's been doing, I think. Could be wrong. Just a guess. Just an opinion. I have a feeling that she might, and like the reason that she went to Canada is that she doesn't want to get the uh, Princess Diana special. Yeah. Oh, well, see, here's the thing. People keep saying, oh, if you attack Meghan Markle, you're racist. You're, it's always because she's black. Well, first of all, she's not even fully black. She's like half black, I think she claims, but I, she could be quarter black. That's just my guess. Like, I, think her, I think either her mom or grandma was like black or something. Her mother's I mean, black. But she, def she definitely is black, you know. Oh, yeah, she is. Yeah. But the thing is, nobody's attacking her because of her race. They're attacking her because she's being disrespectful to the royal family and creating trouble and making a bad image for it. And when you see what the, the treatment Diana got, the treatment all these other royals got, it's nothing new. Okay. I mean, anybody that's new to the family is going to get some uh, beatings by the press and the public. And I know the British tabloids are absolute garbage and can be downright disgusting, but, <laughs> you know, th this is just ridiculous. Like, this is the, the Oko Ono, Yoko Ono of our times. 
Uh, so that's why I queued up a Beale song for the end of it. Yeah. <laughs> I think she's yeah, uh, like tempting them to, to give her that sort of like to try to do away with her like Princess Diana. I think personally yeah, like, she came in, she thought, oh, I get to be a princess. It's going to be wonderful. Oh, I guess I'll just have to do a few no, little she things. Can't act, only she can't actually be a princess. Yeah. Because she, she's not technically not. She's, she's not, not royal not, blood. Yeah. I, so. I think she doesn't like the work, to be honest with you, because I heard rumors that she was complaining about all the work that she had to do and all the rules and restrictions. I'm like, well, that's what you signed up for. It's not your choice. Harry Harry didn't have a choice. You had a choice. How much how much like work does she actually have to do? Like she's just, you know, royal. You know, it's not like a real job. You know, you get like tons of money from taxpayers of a country that you're not even a citizen of. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you got like Sargon talked about this in one of his videos, give a good British perspective on for us Americans. The royal family is very culturally important because they do a lot of stuff like, you know, more ceremonial stuff like opening bridges or, you know, giving a speech at some special event. So there's a good significance for them, but it's not like you're in the coal mines and, you know, working your butt off and your, I mean, guess their lives are kind of at stake a bit because they're you know, famous public figures, but you get what I mean. It's like, they don't have to do a lot of hard labor or something like that. Yeah. So, um, I think yeah. what's going to happen is, you know, she, her actions might directly lead to the end of, you know, the con like the, the British people's like concept of uh, King and Queen whatnot. Like, I think it made, you know, disrupt the whole sort of like ecosystem of the Royals and, you know, maybe in 20 years, they'll just abandon their titles and just become basically celebrities for another, you know, decade or like whatnot. And they'll just be, you know, regular people at some point. Well, they've technically yeah. dropped their royal titles to clarify that. I'll let Phil get in because I tell you once again, uh -huh. they've dropped their royal titles, but they just won't keep, continue to do royal duties. It's a little, you know, weird that way where they, but they're still a part of the royal family. You know, by blood, of course, and technically considered that they just dropped their titles. Well, Met Megan, right? He served, yeah, uh, yeah. Look, he served. He he was the guy. He he's the one guy in the family that was like that. People looked at like they were legit. I served like when I was in Afghanistan, we served with British troops, and they held. They he's the one member of the royal family that was like actually held in pretty high regard like as far as the troops go i mean oh, you know interesting yeah like that's from that's from when i talked to british troops overseas now it could be totally different elsewhere but when i was over there that's what that's the vibe that i got and that's what they some of them were telling me so Take that however you want to. Uh, uh, but but in any way, you ready for another analogy? Oh boy, here we go. You ready? Okay. <laughs> so so the this whole situation sounds like, you know, this girl falls in love with a rock musician, right? Mm -hmm. Loves loves the rock lifestyle, goes to the concerts, does all the crazy stuff. They hook up, they, you know. They're in a relationship. They have a kid, whatever. Girl now wants guy wants rock musician to stop being a rock musician and get, you know, nine to five job. Yeah. Start being a quote unquote family man. Mm -hmm. So guy does it. 
guy steps out of the rock music life does the family man gig right so um later on girl breaks up with guy who used to be rock musician because he's no longer cool anymore right all the cool stuff that attracted her to him he's no longer doing because he's doing the you know the dad lifestyle right Mm -hmm. so that's where we are that's where i feel we're headed with this Prateri Meghan Markle situation. Yeah, I don't see them staying. You know, it, it's going to chance. To it's going to come to a head at some point. He's going to eventually either gain spine or maybe, you know, his uh, family will finally step in and say, "Hey, look, this has gone on for long enough." But you know, she's she's I think I think she's almost like a sociopath or like you know some form of uh, you know she just wants other people to go and like. What's the word? A narcissist or something? Uh, yeah. I mean, there's, you look at what, some sort of personality disorder there. Well, I, I can send, I can feel it. P- Pierce Morgan, who's had firsthand experience with her, claims that she just will, you know, when she needs you, she'll be your friend. She'll be nice. When she doesn't, dropped at, you know, right away. Gone, done, moves on. I've known people like that. And yeah, it's kind of sociopathic. I don't know if she is one. She could be. I don't know. Just, just my guess and opinion, but it's her behavior is just. I, I get such bad vibes. I really don't like it. I, I wouldn't marry her. Let me put it to you that way. Never met her, but wouldn't. Look, she was already a divorcee. You know that, that that should tell you enough right there that something's wrong with her, where she can't make a relationship last. Yeah. You know where she can't make a marriage last. You know what was that whole thing with her like ex uh you know ex husband? Yeah, didn't she send according to Pierce Morgan she sent his her ring back in the mail. Yeah, like, like see, what the <laughs> Who does that? I mean, unless like if they cheated on you, maybe it's like, yeah, screw you. But like I wouldn't even do that. It's just like it's just just weird. It's like it's just like she has no, you know, um uh, she doesn't like care about them. And look how her family's like acting to her as well. Like there's probably something there. They probably know that what she's doing is, you know, not just going to make her family look bad. Like it's going to make, you know, it's, it's going to destroy the royal family. And they don't want to be, you know, held responsible for having a daughter that did that. Did that. You know, she's way in over her head. Yeah. Thinking she can do all this stuff and be this like social justice ambassador. Like, you know, get a, get a grip. You know, <laughs> you're just some, you know, you just married someone. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, well, I, I think the first marriage, I think that was like a film producer or something like that. Mm. So I'm already like, well, <laughs> the first the first marriage probably wasn't legit. It was probably she was probably looking to boost her career. They get a role. Sorts. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so what's she doing now? She's probably doing the same stuff, you know, probably. Yeah, yeah that, that's exactly that's uh, totally, totally on to it, Alex. I, I, I feel like like. It feels like that. Like it feels like maybe maybe she liked him. I'm just I'm telling you, it just feels like we're headed in that uh, that that direction. Like, uh, may maybe it's not love. Maybe it's just you know fame or mm. whatever. Yeah. Well, see what I think. What she wants to go and do is you know marry him, and then she wants to be this icon for women, and then divorce him. And I think she already wants to divorce him because she then she become like a super feminist icon. Like, hey, I divorced some, one of the most powerful people in the world. I broke yeah, up. Yeah, but it's not original. 
like Princess Die already did it. Like, you know, <laughs> she's a Princess Die Hard. Person, you know, but she's also a person of color. You know, she's half black or quarter black, so now she can play this like super victim card as well. Yeah. You know, and I think hers might do even more lasting damage than what happened with Princess Diana. Like Princess Diana opened the gates, but I think she's gonna sack the city. Mm. Well, I mean that city's already sacked. <laughs> I gotta be honest. I'm not very like I don't know. Like there's a lot England, there's a lot going on in England that they're just like it's totally ransacked now. Like you can't do anything. You can't say anything. You can't own anything to protect yourself. There's not like nothing. It's it's crazy. It is just absolutely nuts. I'm like, okay, well, yeah. Glad I'm here. Well, yeah, well, like honestly, like England used to be one of the most powerful countries in the world. And now it's yeah. like, next to nothing. We were we were just talking about that. Like we we had like look, England over the last couple hundred years, they've given up literally everything. Like dude, you give up, you give up India, you give up Hong Kong. What else have you given up? You've given up the United States. You give it up like Canada. You, they gave up own, Canada. Yeah. you don't even own you don't even own the majority of your own premier league soccer teams. I think there's like five teams in, in the premier league right now. that are actually owned by British, like British owners or whatever. And look at their like car companies. Their car companies aren't owned by them anymore either, except Aston. Nope. Well, even their own like sort of Island chain. They don't even own Ireland. Anymore. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's yeah, it's, it's a wreck. It's a wreck, and I mean, I, I don't know. There's a reason. There's a reason why Brexit happened. Mm -hmm. There's a reason why they've done well. I mean, Brexit's done hasn't just done well in one election. They've done it in the past couple of like elections. two elections. Yeah, it was yeah. about Brexit. There's yeah. It, I mean, this is it's gaining traction. People are getting sick of this whole political correctness social justice mess it's like it's the come on well and that's the thing i think like brexit kind of forecasted a trump election away if i mean technically you yeah. know did it really know but it kind of showed that there was a populist uprising happening in the world but i think that the recent british elections are forecasting are american elections which is that people are just over like trump has gained more followers from the middle and people that were on the fence about him are now uh, firmly backing him. I think, though, that the only fear is getting if the Democrats can mobilize enough people, which I don't think they're going to be able to do. Uh, and we're going to talk about this later, but there's such a splintering happening there, probably, whereas the GOP is more unified, even though there is some infighting we're seeing happening, which we'll talk about that actually in a second. Some of the infighting, too, we can talk about that, too, because that happened over the break. But, you know, I, I, the unification is very strong and it's just, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. And one thing that I was listening to Joe Rogan had Bill Maher on his podcast yesterday. He had a bunch of big guests. He had Robert Downey Jr. on, on uh, Thursday and then Bill Maher. Both were interesting. Let's do But Bill Maher, who I disagree obviously on a lot of things. But one thing he said was so true is that, you know, of all the reasons Trump won, every person you'll talk to pretty much that when you ask them why'd you vote for Trump or why do you like Trump, almost all of them will say, like the first few things they'll say is he's not politically correct. People are so sick of that and they're so it's it's infected so many parts of their lives. It's just 
they realized that it's just gotten so out of control, so ridiculous that we needed somebody who can just be the complete anecdote to that, the kryptonite to it. And that's why we're here with him today. Before we actually dive into the rest of our topics for this hour, I just want to say big announcement for anybody that's been following the Turning Point USA chapter here and the speakers we've been doing and all that sort of stuff. We have officially submitted all the paperwork for the new club that is going to be hosting a very special guest speaker since Turning Point won't let us do it. We're going to do it through another club on our individual time. And we'll be announcing that in a few weeks. It's getting close already. Be before the end of February because it sounds like the club registration approval process is going to be a lot quicker than I, even I anticipate and hope for. So it's going to happen real soon. The new club is Uncensored America, and it's going to be a real wild time here at Penn State after we announce this. And I, I like it. I like I like the idea of a new club that really kind of puts emphasis more on like free speech and like I, I I like that. I like it. I don't think that that sort of thing is talked about enough, especially not in detail. You know, I I, I think I think with Turning Point, I mean, don't they do a good, they, they do a fairly good job, but it's like, I feel like it doesn't go into detail as much as it should, which I think the door opens for this group to be able to pull off. And I, that the, the door is open for this, this group to really have a good time with it. And Oh, we will. Yeah, <laughs> we will. Forward, I'm looking forward to it. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It'll, it'll be awesome. I, I don't know. I just feel like a lot of turning point, you know, it's done a lot of good on campuses, but I feel like certain factions within it have almost become politically correct in their own way, you know? The turning point chapter here does great things. Here at Penn State does great things. But I'm not I'm not convinced at all that uh the group here is in the same parallel step as the main turning point, like big turning point. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, I, I mean, well, I, like I told people, we're just going to keep doing what we've been doing, no matter what name it's under, what vessel we're using, we're just going to keep doing it. So that's why we had to make the new club and we're going to keep our, our mission was to do this event. We're going to do it. I think it's more important now than ever. And, Oh my, I, I rarely say this, but it's just going to be just the absolute, just best event all year, probably many years at Penn State. Like, it's just going to be so wild, so much fun. It's going to cause some chaos and mayhem and happiness and sadness from some people, but it's just going to be wonderful. It It's, you know, I, I was afraid this wasn't going to happen. I mean, there's been a lot of hurdles we've had to climb through and jump over and navigate i mean look we got to get to get a club sorry you need to get an advisor which is a full-time faculty or staff member so a professor or somebody that works at the university full-time we got turned down 20 times 20 that's not even including emails that nobody that people didn't reply to so it's over 20 times we've been denied or haven't gotten uh somebody to even listen to us there is only one guy that was willing to listen to us, that was cool with what we were doing, that wanted to help out. Um, and he is just, if he's listening, he knows who he is. He is an absolute just lifesaver. 
free speech saver. I mean, he just literally stepped in when no one else could. And that's yeah. people say it all the time, like, oh, you did what nobody else would. No, he literally did what nobody else would do. And he had no issues with what we were doing. He asked some questions, make sure we were, you know, he understood what, you know, where we were going with this. And we were on the same wavelength and he was just fantastic. I, he, he's awesome. He is. Just, Don't get me wrong. I, 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 I'd thank some of these, some of these guys. I know some of these guys did step up, but at least they tried to point us in the right direction. Yeah, they I'll, did. I'll give him, I'll give him that. But, but that, that, that's another thing to talk about too, because I, I mean, some of some of these staff members here are running scared. Yeah. I mean, you could you could tell you could tell that a lot of these guys agreed with us and agreed with what we were trying to do. But they didn't want to but, associate. But they didn't want to associate out of fear of retaliation. Like that, it's a monster. Yeah, it's a monster here. It, and uh, ooh, I, and I don't it, know. It's they're afraid of being ostracized from their peer groups, their fellow professors, because that's sort of every for a professor, like a big part of your deal of being here is not just the teaching, but it's doing papers, research, all stuff with other collaborations with other professors. And when you come out as even mildly centrist, you know, if you don't completely agree with the left's agenda on campus. They just ostracize you. They think there's something wrong with you. Yeah. They suspect you're conservative and you're tossed to the side. I mean, it's just nuts. Like, I don't treat people like that. I mean, well, yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, they don't really do like that. Like now the big campuses are, are always going to say something like, well, we don't, we don't single people out or we don't <laughs> do that stuff yeah. or whatever. Well, here's, here's the thing. They don't do it. They're 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 It's, but it's a very misleading it's very misleading what they're saying. What they do is they do, they basically do a soft, they do it soft. Yeah. Indirectly. You know? It's like it's when they say they support yeah. free speech, but if it's you say like, something controversial, you're ostracized. Like, well, do you really, yeah, you, you, you yeah, maybe on paper you support free speech, but the environment isn't pro free speech. The environment does not support free speech. They're not going to, they're not going to hate on you directly, but they're going to set you up in, for worse failure. situations they're gonna set you up in worse situations than if you didn't you know if you just kept your mouth shut or whatever yeah um and that's a problem that's a huge problem because it's like how this is this is one of the this is one of those ways that they can silence conservatives yeah this is a problem well, yeah, and I think that the whole idea of like requiring an advisor is almost like a sort of anti-conservative sort of kill switch in there because you know, if you think that the university doesn't know there's an extreme left wing bias over here, you know, that's complete BS. They know it. Yeah. You know, they the only reason that's even implemented, and it was a pretty recent, you know, compared to the whole like life of the university, it wasn't always required. No, I think it was, it was like about 2006 or something. 2003, right? I think it was when it was implemented. Yeah. So I, I'm pretty sure, like, you know, this this was whole like that whole idea was done to go and censor conservatives and people who would speak out against certain things. You know, and that'd be an interesting thing to go and look at too. Like, I don't know, you know, maybe contact uh, some organizations like Fire, or like in the Trump administration. Because I know he did that like whole uh, executive order about free speech or like mm -hmm. like stopping conservative uh, discrimination. This would be something to kind of have them look into. Is this this policy even in line with um, you know the First Amendment? Yeah, because this because you know technically you can still get people to speak over here, but if you don't have a club. 
you know, your really options hard. are severely limited and you're, you know, on the hook for a lot more money. Well, uh, I, I showed you guys that the only two options I had other than, you know, let's say the club thing didn't go as planned, which again, it's still in the process, but it's very optimistic right now. Like it's looking very good. Let's say none of this happened. We couldn't get an advisor or none of this. We're not here today at this point. We would have to do a foul club. Now, Penn State... It looks like you can book rooms without club, but when you talk to people, you actually can't. There's only two places I can confirm that you can book without club, and only one of them's on campus. That's the Eisenhower Auditorium, and you know, big theater companies like the Book of Mormon was here recently, like stuff like that. Book stuff there, so obviously outside orgs can. So we could have done that. Would have been more expensive which would have been annoying and we couldn't get funding from the university and we would have to pay for probably a different rate for campus security. Like there'd be a whole bunch of, you know, hurdles involved with that, just with the cost. So we could do that way or we could do the state theater, which is off campus. Off campus has, gives you more freedom in some way, but also gives you more limitations. I think you could still get campus security there, but can't get funding for that. I don't, you know, if you don't have a club still. And as I showed you guys, the, the, let, they sent a very rude, nasty reply back to me when I even suggested we bring uh, our speaker to their 501c3 nonpartisan state theater. They they disappointed me heavily on that, and they, they utterly lied about our speaker over just stupid stuff. I mean, it was ridiculous. So there you go. That, that Our options were literally... Eisenhower Auditorium without a club, or you have to get a club. Thankfully, we got an advisor that was willing to put skin in the game, and we're going to do it through a club, hopefully in the hub, and it's going to be awesome. Yeah, see, that's a, that's the thing to go and look at, too, is like, how can you say that you're like a 501c3 organization, you know, nonpartisan, and then, you know, blankly discriminate against, you know, people on political reasons? I think the reason is, and this is where this. 501c, I don't know the full con laws of 501c, but I checked on Wikipedia. The biggest restriction on a 501c3, and the same with Turning Point, is you can't uh, promote or you can't campaign for a candidate. So, for example, Turning Point can't start campaigning for Trump. I mean, some would say, aren't they kind of already doing that? It's like, well, they have not speak at stuff. They have not do all these things. But that's not going door to door as Turning Point USA or doing phone banking as Turning Point USA encouraging people to vote for Trump. But that's where it gets weird is like the whole discrimination against like certain viewpoints because you don't like them. I don't understand how that's not involved with a 5-1-C, but that's what I know about. Well, yeah, now see, that, that's another thing too. It's like, you know, state theater, that's, isn't that like publicly funded or like our taxpayer dollars are going into that institution? I think it. I, th I I don't know. I know there's like a committee of arts or something. It has one of those titles that gives them money, but they're considered a charity technically, I think. Well, yeah, so they don't have to go and pay taxes, basically. Or they're taxes. Oh, they're definitely tax exempt. Yeah, when you're 501c3, you're tax exempt. Yeah, so, you know, if they're going to be doing that, like, I honestly think that, like, some of the laws on these 501c3 organizations need to be kind of looked at a little bit more. 
And it says on their website, the State Theater receives state arts funding support through a grant from the Pennsylvania Council on the Arts, a state agency funded by the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania and the National Endowment for the Arts, a federal agency. Okay, so we're getting (laughs) not only Pennsylvania taxpayer funds, but, you know, federal. Federal, yeah. So my funds are going to an inherently left-wing organization that basically discriminates against, you know, Republican and conservative ideologies you know yeah. that's that's a little bit much you know that that like as a taxpayer that kind of offends me since we don't have the equivalent like right-wing organization over there they should at least be required to give the option of having you know right-wing people at these facilities if you're going to be offering that wow they also just had a new um i don't know i guess this is a ban that is on the date that we want to have our event. I, I don't know if that's new. Or, or did I pitch them a different date? I can't remember. Well, maybe I pitched them a different date, but it's funny how that happened. But uh, it's just very, like, I, I could, here's the thing. Like, the, one of their claims, too, was like, they kind of said your speaker isn't basically, like, family-friendly or, like, kid-friendly. You guys show rated R movies. I mean... They they've shown all kinds of stuff there. It's not kid friendly. It's like what are you talking about? They showed Schindler's List. I mean, geez. Well, yeah, they had like what was it? Uh, yeah, they have beer over there. They have they have a bar. Kids. Yeah. Yeah, you know they yeah they they definitely they're showing radar movies over there. So I I think they just gave you the runaround because they didn't want to do it. No, that's like, exactly honestly, what they did. Honestly, you need to be in contact with fire about some of these things because if this is like, is that a part of Penn State University at all? I don't think so because it's off campus. Well, then how can you go and book? Like Penn State has certain facilities that are off campus as well. That's true. I mean, I can't book it through the Penn State system, but I can say, hey, we'd like to rent the space out for this event like, like a musician would do or a comedian or something like that. Yeah, like, you know, some stuff needs to be dug into a little bit, but I think, you know, you might uncover some very interesting um, things. Yeah. I think we should should wait until the announcement before we do anything like that, though. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I won't go and do any sort of, like, actual action, but, you know, you can always do some research and see what sort of uh, rabbit holes it might lead you down to. Well, the email in the email, they do say, quote, I don't think that you're – I'm going to substitute – uh, the pronoun here for your speaker's views align with the state theater and its mission <laughs> as a safe place for children in the community. Uh huh. Yeah. Oh, it's what are you talking about? Safe. Yeah. And they yeah, call them racist, bigoted. Can you look on a vent list of stuff they have going on there? Yeah, I can do it right now. I'm on their website. Let's see. They have, um, let's see. They have an opera coming up. They have Selma. Oh, they're showing Schindler's List. I've just talked about it. January twenty seventh. They had uh, the Book of Mormon over there. No, that was at Eisenhower. Eisenhower's been cool. I want to make a clear distinction here. Eisenhower has been totally cool. She has been cooperative. The uh, manager there and was okay with us bringing our speaker there and was even still okay when I said, "Hey, what if we don't have a club?" She's like, "Yeah, you can still do that. Just be more money, but you can still do it." She's been totally cool. <laughs> State theater on your hair has not been totally cool. Uh, oh, they show they have jazz in the attic. Uh, oh, I mean, let's see. They have I'm trying to see some of the artists because their movies are listed, uh, I think, in the movie category. But they have a bunch of musicians coming, artists. But it's just you know, 
I'm pretty disappointed with them because I've been to them. They have it's a nice place. It's really cool. They show some cool classic movies there. Like I, I've loved my experience there. This just was downright just awful. Did uh, they show Joker there? <laughs> no, no, no. They haven't yet. They've shown 2001. They've shown Dr. Shivago. They've shown Blade Runner. They've shown, um, like I said, Schindler's List. They've shown It's a Wonderful Life. They've shown a bunch of other things I can't think of. Oh, they showed that um, um, the gay movie. What's it called? Um, crap. It's a radar movie, too, I think. Um, Night Cowboy? No, not that one. It's a more recent one. It's the one with the Italian one. Call mm-hmm. Me By Your Name. Yeah, they showed they showed that movie. That's Radar. Yeah, they showed Did that. Does that include adult scenes? Yes, very adult. <laughs> okay, yeah, so that's, you know, apparently that's family friendly. But who knows? <laughs> these, are, these are the type of people that probably have, you know, a uh, drag queen uh, story time over there. So, yeah. uh, I mean, I know... You know, they're, they're just going to discriminate against you guys because they just hate right-wingers and they can't, you know, they, they're probably the type that are, like, wondering how Trump was elected. Mm-hmm. They but, can't, you know, they can't describe, hey, you know, this is the reason why people might do that. They'd be like, oh, well, it's because people are racist. Well, well, for something like the art, we're supposed to have a big imagination. Their imaginations are quite limited. They can't figure out why Trump won. I mean, it's, you know, it's disappointing. But, again, the show's still going to go on. It's going to go on to original location like we want. Uh, here at Penn State on campus, so it's gonna be really cool. I'm I'm really excited. I can't wait to uh, talk about it on here once we actually announce it. Uh, but I, I know you guys are pretty excited too. So I, I and I'm really happy that we got all this stuff in. And they're supposedly gonna process our registration like now. Like they're gonna keep, they're gonna work as quickly as they can to register all these clubs that have applied. So we should know within a few weeks if the club is approved, and that means we can probably get funding in which would be really cool. That'd save us a lot of time, money, and effort and allow more people to come in. So it's going to be cool. Any final thoughts on that before we go to a quick song break? Uh, no. You know, just be on, be on the lookout. When that thing gets announced, it'll be big. Yes, yeah, stay can't tuned. Wait. I can't wait. I can't wait to. <laughs> oh, my God. It's going to be like the my favorite part of my time of college. It's just going to be awesome. It's just the nirvana, the pinnacle, the just the peak of what we're trying to do here. Are you there boys? On April fool's day, but that's a little too, we could have, but that's too close. Like that's too close from the announcement to the actual event. Are you guys talking about the announcement day? Valentine's day would be fun. (laughs) (laughs) We're on. (laughs) We're live. Did you did you can that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't worry. I turned off the mic. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, and I was like, oh, turn you guys <laughs> off. <laughs> oh, yeah. We were we had a good old conversation while y'all were on the break. Oh, did you? Now you want to enlighten us on what we missed? Uh, top secret. Uh, okay. Yeah. You're talking like, crap no. about me behind my back. I see. Well, no, no, no. We, we, we were talking about. <laughs> Some some minor logistics for (laughs) for our event for the event. Yeah. So um, so yeah. What's next? What what's what's next to talk about here? Well, I was just gonna say real quick. It looks like Penn State has brought Bill Ayers in the past, 
or somebody he has. has. That was like I think one of my first. When when did he do that? Because I think it was either around the time that I first started over here, or we were something like that. Let's see. The article I'm on is from 2015, and yep. he was brought here by C I S G or C I G S A. Who are those people? I'm trying. They put an acronym. I don't even know what it means. Uh. Googling it, I still can't find who these people are. Let's see, I found Penn State's site. College of Education Graduate Student Council. What? <laughs> so the school is paying for terrorists to come over here. Well, yeah. He was I guess guess where he was in. You know where they had him speak? The where? Pascarella Spiritual Center. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. So they you know, they have no right to give you any flack about whoever you bring here. No, they don't like convicted terrorists. Look. Like he's way worse than anybody we have ever or will ever bring just beyond like the pale of what we'd bring. Yeah. that And you know, they'll give you flack for like Sargon, but you know, they brought in, you know, convicted terrorists. Yeah. Literally. (laughs) And that was like, yeah, that was when I was still at Penn State. I remember hearing about that. I don't know if I was at main campus at that point, but I know I, um, I heard some stuff. Yeah. It's some like grad student like group like what the heck is this and yeah so penn state's tactically you know and like having actual endorsements mm-hmm. of terrorist organizations and what's funny too i heard i was talking to um people in the alumni association and it's interesting because the alumni association is pretty left-wing but they said like you know when we get these speakers or when they do or when anti-free speech stuff happens or there's PC stuff happening, the alumni are pretty vocal about it. And there's kind of like a a sort of a clash that's between the alumni and the, um, and and Penn state a lot, you know, more than you'd realize. So, you know, they're going to be pissing off their nice alumni to pay them money. If they try to complain about spring our speakers, I don't think they will. They've been pretty good. They're pretty good about Sargon and hunter so hopefully they're good about this one yeah i don't know like you know the alumni association like the people like who form the board you know they're probably pretty left wing but i imagine the actual alumni you'll probably get a bunch of people from across the political spectrum there yeah you know we should also go on after we announce this sam show because i know he has a lot of uh, sam whitfield has a lot of people that'd be interested in this so we'll do that too because i think sam would be interested to talk to us uh, about this because it's said when this gets announced the earth is just gonna shake you know penn state won't be the same after this event because it's yeah, they thought sargon was bad you know <laughs> yeah not to downplay sargon or anything but this is just this this gets these people uh more worked up than anything else so it's gonna be exciting we could we'll, we'll have a lot more talk about when it uh comes around uh, but yeah, so speaking of speaking of Sargon, did you guys have any like interesting stuff that happened after that? No, they tried to get them, like shut down your club. Or they oh, still yeah, I should. I haven't mentioned that. I should mention that. I have heard chatter from my sources. <laughs> it's weird that I like I know people now that can get in on this stuff, but there are um, efforts in place by various left-wing organizations to try and shut down our Turing Point chapter, which you can't do. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 one of the hardest things you can do. 
unless we've like broken the law or we've you know breaking yeah or we've broken uh one of Penn State's policies or something which we haven't I mean even like because they first tried to charter us, which is strip our funding. And, if, and, and the only way you can do that, like, like they, it's such a soft way of saying we're going to shut your club down. Because you can't decharge somebody unless you shut their club down. Because once you get a club, you're automatically given an ASA number, uh, which is the bank your uh, student group's bank account. And so you can get funding. So the only way to dechar us is shut us down. So... They now just they they they've embraced that they've they, they've realized that we've kind of caught on to their scheme and so they there's been an effort trying to shut us down. They haven't done anything yet. They might I don't know, but now they're gonna have two clubs to try and shut down. So it's gonna be real fun. Uh, and student government hates us. They're totally biased against us and totally left wing elitists. And it's everybody's against us except you know. A good chunk of students, our club members, and the conservatives, you know, that will that donate to us, you know, on on uh, on the Eventbrite and you know other stuff. It's it's pretty depressing, but you know, we get through it. Speaking of which, student government's garbage. I'm sorry. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm gonna say it right now. Do it. Student government is garbage garbage with a capital g they're, they're supposed to be they're supposed to be politically neutral right in they're their not. decisions or whatever <laughs> they have people on their in their hierarchy that are also Coast in the college them. democrats yep right that there's no way that you're not going to be biased i i, I it's well yeah well, um so i i i don't I don't understand, like w w when they denounce, like when they denounced the Sargon event, which was totally crazy. Uh, when they when they denounced the Sargon event, it was like, <laughs> it's like, can they do that? Like, what what, what does that even mean? Like, yeah. I, I just, does it matter at all? Like, no. First, like, look. First off, doesn't matter at all. No. Like, they can they can rebuke whatever the heck they want to. We're we're still gonna do what we're gonna do. And they're just gonna have to sit here and take it, but, but I'm like, do they, like, what are they doing? Nothing. What are they doing? Like, uh, like rebuking anything? Yeah. Like, do like your job is to, you know, represent students' interests, represent students, and try to promote, you know, a better quality of life maybe for the students or something like that, be an advocate for the students. Like you're not doing that. You're not. Well, who cares? Like, I don't know. Um, well, here's, here's the thing too, like with the student government. So I was in not, not Penn state main campus, but I was at another branch campus of the student government before, you know, like you'll just get these groups that go in there, like constantly, like left wing groups that will go and like form for like one year. Like, mm -hmm. geez, we had like so many like gay student like organizations that would go and start up, and they wouldn't do anything with the money. They go and like go go bankrupt or not bankrupt, but like no one starts showing up after a year, and they'll just throw money at these people. But as soon as there's a conservative group, yeah, you know, they'll just they'll be so like hesitant to that. But, you know, the Commonwealth campuses, a lot of their student garments, you know, they, you can get a lot of people on the right in those places. 
if you, if you really want to. Like, if you're listening over here and you're from a branch campus, and go for that. Like, I don't know about some of the bigger ones, but if you're in a smaller campus, you just pretty much have to show up and just go there. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so easy to get in there. But no, that like you mentioned with the alumni, did they say anything about this? Like when you talk to the alumni people, if like alumni responded to that event, I should actually talk to the people I know there and see if that's true. If they have said anything, because I don't know, but it'd be interesting to see. Because I, I, you know, there's definitely a, you know, a a vocal group of alumni that aren't happy with a lot of this sort of crap. And student government, they don't do anything. I mean, this denouncing of things is so ridiculous. It's so, you're not proving anything. You're just virtue saying. I mean, wait, they have they have no reason to do it. They're not accomplishing anything to do it. Like, why, why are they even doing it? I mean, you shouldn't have to be denouncing people. You know, if somebody came up to you uh, and, and student government said, hey, you know, I don't like these speakers. They're awful. You need to denounce them. Why? Why Why should they have to denounce people that they frankly don't know anything about? You know, and when you have three college Dems in the student government, like in high positions, I think it's three. To, I to mean, be fair, when I was at the student government, like when I was at Penn State, there was a few people in college Republicans there as well. Yeah, but you don't have that this one. This is the big well, one. No, no, that was at main campus when I was there. The college Republicans had like two or three people. And now, it, to be fair. Oh, are they who I think they are? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so they're not really. I mean, they, they're, they're, they're not really Republicans. Let's be honest. Yeah, let's yeah. be honest. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, that's the thing, too. It's like, I'll, I'll tell you this. College Democrats, college Republicans, even though it's hard for them to like do events, College Dems seem to be talking a lot with them. They do not want to talk to us. And when I try talking to them, they either don't reply or they'll say, oh, we'll do this, we'll look into this, and nothing happens. I mean, they can tell we're winning, we're effective, and we're not going to give in to their stupid crap, and we're not going to deal with it. We're still going to be reasonable. Okay, yeah, so we're also fighting. The the big thing for me is that we're fighting – for the conservatives on campus we're actually fighting like yeah you can tell some of these groups don't even take a stance they're like oh, yeah we're gonna step back we're not gonna do anything like no we're 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 fighting like we're fighting we're defending the conservatives that are on this campus we're not we're not doing we're not doing this for fame we're not doing this for job prospects or anything no i've kind of burned some we're doing it we're 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 like legitimately passionate about this stuff right we legitimately have passion and we're we're fighting because look look at look at what happened look look at what happened when we were just trying to start a new organization right oh yeah you know that imagine what conservative students are going through right Mm -hmm. the the right-leaning conservative conservative right-leaning slash conservative students are going through right they're 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 forced to kind of stay hush hush or whatever like no we're we're fighting for these guys yeah we're defending these guys that's what like and 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 it does and it does bother me that these other organizations aren't taking a stronger stance like yeah well the republicans over at penn state at least when i was there they're more of a fraternity than anything else (laughs) 
you know, like both in terms of like, you know, just like a networking thing and then a drinking thing as well. If they're a fraternity, that's literally the most uncool fraternity you could possibly be a part of. And then they had like, they had this stupid thing. I was like, oh, we're the uh, well, best the party on campus. No, I think they dropped no. that. I will say yeah, because that, I that would have been the wisest decision <laughs> ever to drop that, that whatever that weirdness was. I well, see like when I was there, like the easier the president or the vice president, one of the two, they were like members of actual like he was a leader of a fraternity yeah so like it, made, it kind of made sense maybe back then but like at least my senior year and going forward like no oh, like I, I was at a meeting i was at a meeting when they were uh, was, were, were were you strong were you at the meeting when the, when they said that like when they said that they had the merch that was on sale yeah yeah, yeah. i remember that i remember that i was looking at it and i saw it and i was like why why would you do this? They even like, did like a Greek people symbol. Were laughing. People around me were laughing at me when saying that. I'm like, dude, why were you doing that? <laughs> I think, I don't know if that was the beginning of them not liking me, but like, <laughs> no, 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 Phil, there was a lot more before then that gave them reasons yeah. not to like you. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, but I was like, I, I was like, I was like, why? Yeah, I know. Why? Like, what, what were you doing? Like, Cause they took some sort of like Greek symbol, made like the CR thing. I remember on one of those things. Oh. But I will say, look, I want to make something clear, which is that the new CR board this year, I've talked to them a lot. I've gotten to know them. I've heard some of the inside, you know, what's going on and all that. They, for um, th th this is an overall improvement to what has. Ugh than the CRs. Okay, I know what you're going to say. It's a low bar. It's a low bar. I know. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I'm a believer in if you're going in the right direction, that means if you keep going in that direction, you're eventually going to get to the place you need to be. Now, will they keep this momentum up? I don't know. I honestly don't know because I don't know who's going to be on their board next year. I really don't. Yeah. It's There's not a lot. Of, I can't think of many candidates coming to mind. But I will say... There are a few people on that board that I know are working hard. I know they're trying to make stuff happen. Mm -hmm. And overall, the club has felt more fun, more welcoming this year, and definitely way more pro-Trump. And, you know, it's, again, I hope it gets better. And I'm always going to encourage improvement. And they've been nice to us. I, I'll be honest, yeah. I wish I could see some stronger support or coalition with Turning Point here. Like, I don't see Bull Moose Party supporting us, of course. They kind of hate us. They've always hated us. They just don't say it. Um, I, I don't see CRs really like putting a statement out saying, hey, mm -hmm. you know, we support free speech and we disagree with the college students condemning this event. And I get why they don't do it. I mean, it's it's too Wait, hot to touch us. Buddies. That's the whole reason. Oh, they're either. best friends of the college students. Who wants another analogy? Oh, oh I do. Pick me. Are for another analogy <laughs> yeah, here? Yeah, okay. lay it in. All right. So in picture in your mind, a ship, right? A ship is on <laughs> on the ocean, right? It's and, and it's sinking, right? And so, you know, you, you, while the ship is sinking, you have people that are on the ship as it's sinking with water pails, right? And they're grabbing the water, they're getting the water and they're chucking it off the boat, right? <laughs> they're chucking the water off the boat, right? Mm -hmm. uh, that ship 
is literally the college Republicans here at Penn State. <laughs> literally, yeah. 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 And, the good, and the good ones and the good people that are there at, uh, at the CRs are are the are the people that are trying to chuck water yeah, yeah. off of the ship. If, like, and I know somebody personally that kind of describes it that way, where they're kind of picking up other people. They're, they're also, you know, um, bailing the water that other people should be bailing. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. You know, it's... I, I look and the CRs too. They have a very, they have so much potential, and that's why I saw off turning points so much potential. And I've been trying to utilize it under my presidency, but it's potential I learned has been limited. So, got to do your own thing. Like I've learned that so quickly in life is like being your own boss is one of the, even though it has its downsides, it's one of the greatest things ever because you're your own boss. You can do what you want to do, and I'm a type of person I just like doing what I want to do. I mean, maybe that sounds selfish. I don't know. But I do consider people's perspectives on things, as you guys know. But it's just, man, I, I hate Here, when people tell you you can't thing. do stuff. Yeah. Yeah, here's my thing. If, if being your own boss is good if, you're, if the passions are there. Yes, right? that's true. So if the passions are there, you want to be your own boss because you can literally – you can work to build something – yeah, you have it because, like, if you're passionate about something, you're already you're gonna have purpose, you're gonna have direction, and you're gonna have motivation, and those are like the three things that you need for leadership, right? So you're already you already have that, and so having your own, being your own boss, you can kind of it's easier to dictate what steps to take, what what direction to go, uh, how to motivate people, whatever. But if you're there. For yourself like if you're just there to for a bullet on your resume or whatever it's it's it actually sucks because mm. now you have responsibility it's like well i i just wanted the bullet on the resume i didn't want responsibility and all this extra work and all this stuff whereas if you have if you're passionate about this thing it's not really so much work i mean it is work it's a labor of love really- you don't really see it that way because it's like, look, I got I got this mission that I'm going to do whatever it takes to get this thing done. So it's a different motivation. Um, and you I can, think you, you I think with the, well, I'm sorry, I'm sorry about what. Go ahead, Alex. Well, you can see that a lot too. Like, look at the members of college. Look at what majors they choose. The vast majority are political science, and you know. Not to say that everyone who's a poli sci major is necessarily like, mm-hmm. you know, doing it for yeah. themselves. But a lot of them are. A lot of them do want to do that because, you know, that's how they can find a job. Well, and the other thing, too, I forgot to mention when you and I'm so glad you brought this up, Phil, because it's something that sometimes even we forget um, is that we are fighting for those conservatives on campus, like all of them, especially the ones that are scared to come out. They're scared to you know have a voice on campus like we try to give them that voice give them a platform or you know, represent what they believe in and bring it into the headlines more bring it into the mainstream of campus more where people are seeing it and it's not in the shadows and that's something that you just gotta keep doing because if, if you do that that's when people start taking notice at least or people in the middle and they start getting more interested or you know something and that's what i hope we accomplish uh I don't have anything more to say that because I think we should move on to a few more things before we close out for this uh, final hour. But uh, we'll, again, keep you updated. So stay tuned. More info will come on the big uh, event probably in 
three, four weeks, so stay tuned. Uh, I want to talk briefly about, because we mentioned the elites here, My one of my favorite comedians alive, Ricky Gervais, absolutely took a flamethrower to the Hollywood elite at the Golden Globes. I mean, look, I knew it was going to be good because I've seen all of his past Golden Globe uh, monologues and little bits in between. He's always been great. He's he gained quickly a reputation. I remember it very well when he first did it of doing edgy, offensive jokes and people calling him mean and all that stuff. Like, no, he was, he was just funny. And this last Golden Globes, I know everybody was been talking about, but I had to say something about it. He was just so, so good. It was A-plus, platinum-grade, golden, whatever you want to call it, material. It was just, it was him at his best there, and he held nothing back. He even made... A Weinstein joke, an Epstein didn't kill himself joke. It was just just fantastic. I don't want to ruin any of his bits. I just go on YouTube, check it out if you're interested. It's so good how he mocked their hypocrisy perfectly of these Hollywood I, elites. So what I was I was watching the playoffs, right? The NFL playoffs, because it was on NBC and they had they they had a game on an NBC. Uh and so I had the I had the television on. It was still on on NBC after the game. So I was mm-hmm. like, all right, well, now I'll, I'll just you know I'll brush my teeth or whatever because I like to do that stuff before I go to bed or whatever. Um. So I, anyway, so I was brushing my teeth, and I was hearing and I was hearing the Ricky Gervais monologue <laughs> while I was brushing my teeth, <laughs> and the first joke he mentioned. I spit out my <laughs> toothpaste on the mirror. I was laughing so hard. That's... I'm like, oh no! <laughs> did this, you did you know he was going to be on? Did you know? No, I didn't. I didn't even. Oh, well, I knew he was. I knew he was going to be on. I didn't realize that it was going to be that. Like I didn't realize it was going to be that. Mm-hmm. You know, and yeah, the second he made that first joke, I. Spit yeah, it was it was fun. It was hilarious. It was so funny. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I would say I would double I would double what Sean said. And if you get the chance, yeah, YouTube it because it is it is gloriously funny. Yeah. I think this was a good swan song for him, you know, because there's no way in hell he's gonna be going back on after that. Mm-hmm. There's no way there's no way NBC signing him on again. There I can't imagine NBC signing. Well, he like, said no, this is his last I, one, and he. Yeah. And the thing is, too, what's always been fascinating is that even after his first one, people are like, "Oh, they're not gonna let him back, are they?" And, and they did, like four more times. And it's because he brought them good ratings at the end of the day. While these other award shows have been tanking with their lame, you know, comedians they'll bring, so-called comedians. And they're afraid of controversy. He's bringing the controversy, and controversy always brings interest. He brought big ratings. I think that's why they kept bringing him. And he would he would always go up to the line, but never cross it. I think this time he crossed the line to like actually pissing yo know, these people off that wouldn't want, you know they're in charge of like allowing him on the show. But he I, I don't blame him. Go out, final time of Blaze of Glory. It was perfect. And he kept talking that. He's like, guys, my last time. I don't care. I mean, well, I never cared, but, you know, it was great. 
It was just so great. It was like watching Trump, you know? You know when you watch Trump say certain things that you wish other politicians would say? Like, that's what I got with Ricky Gervais. It was like, he was saying the stuff I wish everybody else in that position would say. Or if I was in that position, I would say that. Obviously not as good of a joke uh, that he would make. But the idea of it is like something, you know, I wish I could say. And that's what's so powerful about what he's doing. It's just beautiful. So what was the left-wing reaction to that? Because I imagine they'd probably be, you know, pretty steaming about some of those, like, spice bombs he dropped. I mean, it's weird because I expected huge outrage, and there was some outrage, but it wasn't as much as I expected, and I th- I'm i trying to think of why it is. It could be because Gervais is semi-left-wing, like, he's British, so, you know, he's not... It's like he's never going to be like a full-blown conservative because they really don't have that there. But he he doesn't really like Trump. He's kind of left-wing, but he's very pro-free speech, very anti-censorship, support Count Dankula when he was getting fined and almost thrown in jail. I mean, I think they weren't as outraged was because they just didn't know what to say to it, I think. I don't know if you know what I mean by that because some of his jokes are just so bulletproof in many ways. Or or there's like... I don't it know. It was legitimate talent. Like what 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 Ricky Gervais did was legitimate talent. Like yeah. it's talent. Like you the like you know do you know how hard it is as a stand up like as a comedian to make fun of the crowd mm-hmm. and still make them laugh? Mhm. Yeah. Like like that's hard. That is hard. That's hard stuff. And he he does it. Like he he he's, he's been doing it for a couple of years now. You know, and um, and you yeah, and that's kind of why you really didn't get a whole lot of flack from like a lot of the left. Like you just had Tom Hanks giving like goober looks like every second. (laughs) Well, that that was that was glory. But yeah, um, but but I mean, like people appreciate talent. More like like and we were talking about this with the Dave Chappelle skit. Mm. He was making he was making fun of a whole bunch of people that were rubbing up that rubbed off that rubbed the left the wrong way, but he was funny. Yeah, like he did it and he was funny and people loved it and it was like, and and this is what people don't understand when you're talented, right? And most most of these leftist comedians aren't very talented, but when you're talented. It doesn't matter. None of that matters. It's like people are going to pay to see you perform. People are going to pay to, you know, whatever. It, and that's what they don't understand. I, that's what, or they do understand. They just don't care. I don't mm. know. Well, yeah. here's the thing with Chappelle. Like, you still saw that he got backlash from a lot of, like, you know, left-leaning outlets for mm-hmm. that. But I, for Gervais, like, I saw maybe one or two articles, but that was it. I, I think Chappelle got bigger backlash than Gervais. Oh, way, oh, way bigger. Yeah. You know, it's, it's crazy. But, you know, I, I do feel that, like, yeah, that, that was probably, you know, one of the best well, performances I've seen. And one at any award show, but two, just, like, genuine comedy. Like, Emma Springs back, like, sort of, it, maybe it was, like, the sort of gesture mentality where you can't really, like, if he makes you laugh that much, you can't really, like, you know, get him for it. Cause, and you know, I, I think, and these, and these people that, these people that, um, that bash and they, that give, give people like Dave Chappelle and Ricky Gervais, um, flack or whatever. They're, they are so out of touch 
mm-hmm. with the real world, with mm-hmm. common America, right? They're so out of touch. It's it's uncanny. Most most of the people in this country, they they work hard, they work hard for their money, they pay their bills. Uh, they work long hours. Most of them have families. They work hard trying to maintain, you know, maintain their relationship, maintain their 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 child's lifestyle. You know, they're trying to do the best the best that they can with what they have, right? And so when they get free time, which many rarely do, but when they get free time, they want to enjoy their free time. Yeah, they want to enjoy it. And they don't right? want to be lectured to by people who don't know anything. I don't want to be anything. lectured. Yeah, yeah. These people don't want to be lectured. They don't want to be told about politics or whatever. I don't want to hear about politics. Like when I when I get my free time and I pay money and then I pay the money that I pay to see these people perform or I pay the outrageous cable bill, I don't want to see, you know, I don't want to be conditioned into some weird train of thought i want to be entertained right Mm -hmm. so that's that's the disconnect right that's what you like like that's what people like amy schumer don't understand right she's just pushes out unoriginal uh sappy emotionally pleading content you know and like some of these late night hosts too and it doesn't connect that's why their ratings are tanking. That's why they don't like they're not doing as well as like the other late night talk shows hosts used to uh, because they don't get it. They're disconnected with the real world. Yeah. Last thing I'm going to say is that the other thing, too, I think the reason that Gervais got hardly any backlash this time is because when he first did the Golden Globes and was making his. Um, edgy offensive jokes uh was that it's that was when he got the most backlash and since he keeps doing it it's kind of like everybody kind of expects it so i think that's why he didn't get so much this time is because he's been doing it they already kind of gave him that backlash where Chappelle, who's always kind of had you know i guess you call it edgy humor in a sense or it's definitely not pc but he just came out swinging so hard and and not being in the public eye for so long that's what really set people off. And, you know, there's probably a bunch of, especially younger people, uh, especially because they're on Twitter, that don't know really who Dave Chappelle was before the Sticks and Stones special. I mean, I knew who he was, and I'd seen his stuff before, but, I mean, his his new Netflix specials have been very uh, sort of, um, it's kind of like a, you know, like when a, a band comes back, and does an album later and like then like oh they sort of, they start exploring their old catalog like that's kind of like what happened with Chappelle's like he, he introduced himself to a newer generation in a way um especially people my age I know that didn't know who he was but now do so interesting to follow that I actually want to talk about just for a fun little uh segment here all the things we watched over break because I know um, Alex and I watched a lot. I know Phil watched some stuff too, probably, and I definitely watched a lot of things. So let's give our few cents on some things. I want to start off with movies. Uh, did any of you guys see Marriage Story? No. No. Okay. That just sounds like a bad movie already. <laughs> marriage Story sounds really bad. Why? Because marriage is in the title? <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Well, I will say it's. 
it's an interesting movie. It's it's well done, very well acted. It has Adam Driver from Star Wars and uh, and girls, <laughs> uh, and Scarlett Johansson obviously from all the Marvel movies. Those two play off each other really well. It's the first time I actually was impressed with Adam Driver's acting. It's about a couple who are going through a divorce, and it shows all the ugly sides to it and the truthful ugly sides. So that's what I did like. It wasn't some Hollywood, you know, sort of fluffed up version of it. Like it was very. It showed you how ruthless these lawyers and these um, spouses can be, and how ugly a divorce can get. And if I mean, will I watch it again in my life? Probably not. It's not something that I just go, oh, gee, I want to. I really want to watch Marriage Story. It's just kind of like, yeah, it was an experience. That was interesting. So that's up for some awards. And I think the acting was great, and the story was, you know, good enough, interesting. Uh, and, and worth checking out. It is worth checking out if you don't, you know, understand divorce that well, the proceedings, how it works, and it can sort of fill that knowledge gap and give you a sense of it. Did any of you see Rise of Skywalker? I did not. You still haven't seen it yet? Uh, uh, did you see it? <laughs> it was the worst Star Wars movie ever. Worse than Last Jedi? You think it was worse? Ever. <laughs> ever. Okay, so we don't Awful. spoil it for Alex. What's your non-spoiler uh, stuff to say about it that really pissed you off? It just ruined the story. It ruined the storyline. Well, The Last Jedi ruined a chunk of the storyline, too. But it just went crazy. The the the, 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 the Skywalker just ruined yeah. the storyline. I don't know. What, what, what are they doing? Yeah. What are they doing with the story? It feels like... It feels like... Um, it, it feels like Mickey Mouse uh, came into the uh, came into the theater and took a giant dump <laughs> in the middle of the theater. Like that's, that's what it feels like. See, like, R- it, Ryan Johnson, so Ryan Johnson's Last Jedi was like a big middle finger to the audience. This was like a big dump on the audience. And there's even a little jab at the Last Jedi. Did you notice when? Um, this isn't really a spoiler, but when Ray goes back to the island she trained with Luke, remember, do you know the part I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. And she does something with that lightsaber. That mm-hmm. was a big, like, F you back to him. And that's what this movie was doing. It was course correcting The Last Jedi. It was, like, making up for stuff it didn't do or changing things that J.J. obviously didn't want to happen. J.J. Uh, Abrams, not J.J. that we know. Um, and then, you know, making, <laughs> making a new story. Like, within this, like, two-hour, 40-minute, I think, just everything just felt so rushed. Like two, hundred, two hours and 40. First off, it's two hours and 40 minutes. Not that, that not that, I mean, it was still, it was packed with, with I, Oh, so packed. It was, it was fast-paced, but it was like, too like, fast like you you you, but yeah, you I, didn't process something and then it just moved on to the next thing yeah the, the movie was terrible it was bad it's it just it was a waste of, look it, 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 <laughs> there are some what, to what, be what, fair, you know they stuck jj in a really kind of bad place with the last jedi i mean i haven't seen it but i can assume like and you know it's just a stupid thing that disney's been doing with it too like they've been having this sort of like back and forth between two different like producers. So you're going to have, you're going to have stuff like that. 
Oh no. yeah, and if you read the behind the scenes stuff somebody talked about on Reddit about, it's a total mess. And Disney gave Ryan Johnson too much freedom, so they controlled JJ more. And apparently, he doesn't like the final product because it wasn't the film he intended it to be completely. You know, there was a lot of scenes left out that he wanted. I think the cut was like way long. It was like three hours. And to be honest with you, the movie needed more time. Needed, even though I was like ready to leave at near the end, it still needed more time to let things breathe or to explain some stuff because we all know it's not a spoiler. Palpatine comes back. How he comes back is so freaking stupid. It doesn't make any sense. I'm getting a phone call. I'll be right back. I, I, I don't know. After The Last Jedi, I just stopped paying attention to, like, major Star Wars releases. I'll probably go and catch this when it comes out at, like, the DVD rental place or something. But, like, I don't know. Because I, I don't really want to pay full price for this, what I know is going to be a piece of crap moving. Like, not even just from what you guys have been saying, but just... Like, just knowing, like, in general how this series has been going. Yeah, like, I don't know. Like, it... You know, Star Wars, as bad as the prequels were, you know, they they're really nothing compared to what would happen now. Yeah, to be yeah, and I started watching a little bit of that. I saw the first few episodes and it was really good, but like and if you go and see like most of the Star Wars media that's coming out that's like not, you know, so Yeah, so um yeah, I, I heard that. I heard that if you get uh, the IMAX passes, I... what what happened? What he, he took a phone call during the show. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah, we had a phone call from somebody that was listening in. I was gonna. I didn't want to ask him to come on because we're running out of time here, but. He hates J.J. Abrams. <laughs> I'll tell you that. He's justified to some degree. Um, Why do people over here that they, are they needed his member berries? Yeah. <laughs> it's a good South Park yes. reference there. Yes. Yes. <laughs> You're welcome. No, no. I, I heard I heard that if you bought tickets to see the IMAX version of oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Skywalker, right? Yeah, yeah. I know what you're going to say. Yeah. You, you can actually, it's so detailed. That you can actually see Mickey Mouse pulling out your wallet and taking your money. <laughs> like, it's very nice. Yeah. I, I was going to say, though, if you, I thought you were going to say something different, but if you saw the IMAX one, you actually got to see the first, I think, five, six, ten minutes or something of Christopher Nolan's new film, Tenet, which looks awesome. I think that's going to be a good movie. That would, I would, as much as the Rise of Skywalker is a real pain in the butt. It's almost tempting to pay the money just to see those few minutes of that movie. My but, other joke would have been way worse. Okay. Way worse. <laughs> we'll save it for off air. <laughs> I did y'all a favor. Yes. I did y'all a favor. Oh, thank you. Um, uh, last thing I will say, though, is that on this is this movie is that it is just, it's it's so, the as you say when you say it ruins Star Wars, it's because of a big reveal that's really stupid doesn't make a whole lot of sense and is not explained and does really undermine a lot of things in previous movies. And another thing that's stupid also, this is where we maybe laugh in a bad way, was um, the they rev- there's a, a mole in the movie, a spy. And when you find out who it is, y- you will have the same reaction as Finn and Poe. 
It's like why why do you even have it? Like why even have the skit? Like I like why have that that, that part of the storyline? I just, know it's terrible. It's just terrible. Yeah, I would rather I would rather watch the sun. Yeah. Okay, then then watch that crappy sky, uh, that crappy Star Wars movie. Yeah. And, and you, I could see some some people saying, "Oh, is that is what what kind of movie is the sun? No, it's not a movie. I would rather watch the, <laughs> the actual sun. Okay, <laughs> I would rather watch the sun and have it blind me. Okay, <laughs> than watch the Star Wars movie again. Oh God, yeah, I know. It's like honestly, it's so just like the Last Jedi. It only, it was like the first few minutes. I'm like. Uh, there's something wrong here. I can't handle this. I gotta get out. This one, I was like, I was saying the thing first. Me, I'm like, oh god, <laughs> already. I'm like, Jesus, we're screwed. You know, it's oh god, it's it's it can be a good hate watch, mate. I mean, when uh, the last day was a good hate watch. This is not a good hate watch. It's a mess, what, total mess. What's a hate watch? What's a hate watch? A hate Washington watch. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I hate no, no, because because uh, no, I know that there's there's such thing as a hate. <laughs> I know what you mean. Well, it would be there's like watching bang. There's like no hate watch. What was that? <laughs> there is a hate watch. Well, I hate. I hate someone so much. I'm gonna watch their content. Like no, 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 no. Hear me out. Hear me out. The hate watch is like when something you hate is so bad that you just have fun. You know, watching it again, hating on it, finding more things ridiculously wrong with it, and that just sort of the ridiculousness of that ridiculousness of that just being funny in itself or fun. Oh, we if, have if we have another hate, call. If you hate watch anything, you need to uh, reassess your life and find another <laughs> hobby. That's all. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm gonna take this uh, call. I'm like watching right Sharknado. I guess you know yeah. it's just some like just no. Joking. Sharknado's actually funny. Like it's uh, not not funny as in like a like like genuine coming. There's just how stupid it is. It's funny because it's stupid, but it's like yeah. I mean. I don't know, like, I wonder what's going to happen now, because, like, you know, it seems like they're just pooping on, a, like, all of George Lucas's legacy. Like, he didn't I, even... That's oh, exactly yeah. what he's doing. That's well, exactly. I Thanks, will, Mickey Mouse. I will say, though, The Mandalorian is actually a good show. I watched it with my free trial, because I wasn't going to pay that monthly fee. It is good. And who's it done by? John Favreau, who did the uh, Iron Man, first Iron Man, and who also is a voice of a Mandalorian in the Clone Wars TV show, which is a good show. But the Mandalorian's the only good thing happening in Star Wars right now. Could it get screwed over and get worse as it goes along? It could, but the first season's I I good. Heard, I heard they had a good video game recently, too, like made by EA of all people. Yeah, I know. Yeah, Fallen Order, I think it's called. Yeah, I heard that was good, too. It's, it's Star Wars has just been... So many misses, and then there's like finally a few hits now. So, Mandalorian's a definite must watch. Uh, I think you liked it, Alex, right? Oh, yeah. Like the first few episodes, like that's all I saw. I mean, I, I have Disney Plus, don't have it accessible. Mm. Yeah, I, I mean, like, I. I have some issues with the show, but it's just so minor in comparison to the overall thing. And Bill Burr's in it for one episode, which is like, t I totally, I didn't expect to happen, but it, it it's a fun show. And it's it's just, you know, it, it feels more of a better direction Star Wars should be going in. Uh, and another good show. The, the, uh, the two most popular shows apparently right now are The Mandalorian and The Witcher. 
I watched The Witcher. It was one of the first things I watched over break because I was genuinely interested because I love Henry Cavill. He's just a great actor and seems like a cool dude just overall. The Witcher is probably on paper um, a bit more flawed than The Mandalorian, but I had way more fun with the show and I loved it. I absolutely loved the first season. I don't know anything about The Witcher. Uh, I well, I know some things from the games because I never played games, but I've heard things about them. Really good, really good show. I hope everybody watched it because I can see that becoming a really big hit. And I can tell they're going to improve the issues that season one had in season two. But Henry Cavill just kills it. He's perfect for the role. And a lot of the humor is just fun, good humor. And it's just really just fun. Like it's because it, people kept making these Game of Thrones comparisons, which were ridiculous because it's not trying to be that at all. It's kind of trying to be the anti Game of Thrones where it's not taking itself too seriously. And it's just sort of a just good old fun and fancy adventure show. Did any of you check it out at all? Yeah, no, I've been watching it. Like, I just saw some more the other day. I'm probably about six episodes in there. Mm-hmm. No, I think I never watched Game of Thrones. I, I never feel, I like, never really felt like it. So, you know, just from a sort of, you know, person new to that sort of genre, I think it's good. You know, like, you do have to be a little bit, like, in-depth watching it. Like, yes. it's not just, like, an easy thing. You know, you have to pay attention or else you'll miss stuff. But, yeah. um, no, I think the characters are pretty awesome. Like, uh, Geralt, you know. Geralt. <laughs> Geralt. Yeah, Geralt. That's Henry Cavill's Geralt character. Geralt of Rivier, you know, he's a pretty cool cool guy. And, like, for something based off of a video game or, mm. or book that's, you know, it's mostly known for being a video game. Like, my right. one friend. So. But it, it seems like, you know, actually pretty, pretty decent. Like, you know, you can really get into it, but it's not like Game of Thrones where, you know, you have to... Like I saw this political intrigue. I mean, there is some of that in there, I mm. imagine, but like it's more or less about you know this guy and you know a couple of these other characters. Yeah. Just some say, Phil. No, I I, I haven't watched. I should I should definitely watch it. I've I haven't gotten around to it yet. Mm. Uh, yeah, yeah, you definitely I should. I think you'd like it. Yeah, I I think I would too. It's just there's. There's, a, I don't know, maybe there's just something about like Henry, Harry Cable, like because I I didn't really like him in Superman, you know, mm. I didn't like him that much in Superman, so I'm like, ugh. But well, yeah, did you hey, like him hey. in Mission Impossible? He, he was in Mission Impossible. <laughs> I, yeah, he I, was I, in the like in the Fallout. Yeah, he was the guy with the he mustache. The oh, I I I I didn't see the last one. Oh, Mission either. Like, dude, oh, apparently you I should see that one too. Oh, that's yeah. one of the one of my favorite action movies. It's so good. Oh, like, it's really like, good. You gotta see it. You're missing <laughs> out. <man." laughs> I know. Like everybody says that to me. I'm like so many shows. I say the same thing back on some, but it's like when I do say it, I do mean it. <laughs> you know, because um, I also saw something. Alex was telling me like you gotta see it. And that was the end of the effing world. And yes, that is how the title is spelled. It's F star 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 ing world. Very unique, kind of odd, but interesting, and like just um, sort of like a cool show where they take a Bonnie and Clyde story and take in a modern teenager direction with you know a second season that kind of makes it full circle in a way, in a really interesting way. But it really examines death and 
you know, how it affects people and what it means. And it's really interesting. It, it became something that at first seemed just kind of like a show that would just be fun. There's something that was actually more complex and had some, some, some deeper stuff to it as it, you know, moved along. So I would say check all those things out. Is there any other recommendations you guys have before we close out? Oh, yeah. No, like I've been watching the show you on Netflix and that's, that's probably one of my favorite, like, you know, very interesting show about this, like, you know, the, the sort of, like, when you describe it, it sounds really weird, and, like, why would you watch this? But it's, like, about, like, the first season is about this, like, stalker dude from, like, New York City who, like, stalks someone and has them fall in love with them and whatnot. And the second season, you know, you kind of see the same thing happen in California, but there's a little bit of a twist. Mm-hmm. Like, I would definitely watch it if you're into, like, especially, like, psychological-based sort of dramas. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it, you know, it, it just kind of had me, you know, watching it every minute and kind of back to what you're talking about with uh, the end of the world. That was, you know, I, I feel like the second season, I don't know, I didn't really care as much for the second season, but it did have a role to play. But I, I don't know, I just love the characters so much in there. I thought that, I'm not going to lie, the second season, for some reason, I kind of, I almost say I liked more, but it just sort of, I don't know, something about that was really special because the first season special in its own way and this kind of special in its other way and it was just very interesting what they did. I really enjoyed it. Do you have anything, Phil, you recommend? Uh, I I saw the the last Rambo. Hmm, yeah. And it, it, okay, so obviously it's not going to be for everybody, okay? Sorry. It's not going to be for everybody. But if you liked the last, the the, the previous Rambo, uh, if you're into like lots of gore and stuff, like this would be another Rambo to watch. Like it was pretty fantastic. But it's the last one, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, oh, I know you liked it, not to interject, but I also saw John Wick 3. I forgot the other day. That was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. John, I like, I like John Wick. That yeah. Was, and they definitely left room for a fourth one. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I, cause you talked about that on the show and I was like, I thought they were, oh no, he's pissed now. So it's, I, I, the fourth one's going to be probably really good too. Cause they, I noticed with each John Wick, they kind of go a little bigger, a little better. Uh, I think the third one might actually be the best one. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with more real news.